Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description. Welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, live and in person, Ashley and Jason. And in this episode, we'll be looking at the 1953 film, Cinderella. Uh, this episode's a little different, Ashley, because, uh, you know, you moved. I'm going to be moving recent, or I'm going to be moving soon, too. But uh, we're actually recording in person. So Together. Yeah, yeah. One mic. <laughs> yeah, if the audio's off a little bit, that's why, um, you know, we kind of have one mic in between the two of us, so... We're figuring it out as we go along, but we hope you enjoy it. Um, Getting back into it, in this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film and the songs from the film. We'll also be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and enjoy the episode. Cinderella is a 1950 American animated musical fantasy film produced by Walt Disney. Based on the fairy tale of the same name by Charles Puralt, it is the 12th Disney animated feature film. The film was written by William Pete, Ted Sears, Homer Brightman, Kenneth Anderson, Erdman Penner, Winston Hibbler, Harry Reeves, and Joe Rinaldi. Cinderella was directed by Wilfred Jackson, Hamilton Lusk, Clyde Giomini. There was also two other uh, directors listed on one website, but not the other, so I'm going to give them credit here. Uh, Matt David and Jerry Livingston also. So I don't know if they actually were directors or not, but they were listed on one website and not the other. Okay. Yeah. And the songs were written by Al Hoffman. The film features the voices of Eileen Woods as Cinderella, Eleanor Audley as Lady Tremaine, Verna Felton as Fairy Godmother, Rhonda Williams as Drizella, Lucille Bliss as Anastasia, James MacDonald as Jacques, Gus, and Bruno, Louis Van Ruten as the King and the Grand Duke, Don Barclay as Dorman, William Pipps as Prince Charming, with Mike Douglas as Prince Charming's singing voice, and I actually found out in my research for this, they had cast uh, Mike Douglas as the regular Prince Charming, Mm -hmm. and then he started recording his lines, and he has this incredibly thick Illinois uh, Midwestern accent. It would not work for this. Yeah, yeah. they were like, no, 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 you can just sing. Um, (laughs) You have a beautiful singing voice, but you're not going to be the voice of the prince. So they went and got William Pipps. June Fourier as Lucifer, and Betty Lou Gerson as the narrator. As mentioned in previous episodes, during the 1940s, Walt Disney Productions had suffered financially after losing connections to the the European film markets due to the outbreak of World War II. Because of this, the studio endured box office bombs such as Pinocchio, Fantasia, and Bambi, all of which would later become more successful with several re-releases in theaters and on home video. By 1947, the studio was over $4 million in debt and was on the verge of bankruptcy. 
Walt Disney and his animators returned to the feature film production in 1948 after producing a string of package films with the idea of adapting Cinderella into an animated film. After two years in production, Cinderella was released by RKO Pictures on February 15, 1950 in Boston, Massachusetts, with a national release on March 4, 1950. It became the greatest critical and commercial hit for Disney Studio since the first full-length animated film Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and helped reverse the studio's fortunes. It received three Academy Award nominations, including Best Music Best and Best Original Song for Bibbidi Boppity Boo. Decades later, it was followed by two direct-to-video sequels, Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True, in 2002, and Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time in 2007, and there was a 2015 live-action adaptation by Kenneth Bergan. The castle, featured in the film, has become an icon of the Walt Disney Company, serving as the basis for the logo production of Walt Disney Pictures. A real-life construction of the castle was built at the Magic Kingdom Park at Walt Disney World, as well at Tokyo Disneyland. In 2018, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. It has a runtime of 74 minutes. It had a budget of $2.2 million, or $25.5 million today, and earned at the box office $182 million, or $2.1 billion today. Quite a big uh, yeah. return there. The film was Disney's greatest box office success since Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, earning nearly $4.28 million in distribution rentals uh, from, from the United States and Canada. You know, of course, because it's another princess film. I mean, I think we'll find as we go along all the princess films probably do the, the best with box office releases. Oh, yeah, and they always seem to put a shot in the arm of Disney, like, right when they need it. Yep. Like, you know, um, obviously Snow White was the first one. This put them back on the map. The Little Mermaid is the first one of the Disney Renaissance, and then... I, to be fair, before this is was all those package films that we yeah. complained so much about, too. Yeah. Like, they weren't doing full feature lengths for a while there. Yeah, no. Right no. before this, they weren't... You know, we did have Bambi and all those other movies, but... This definitely... Yeah. No, you're 100% right. I just realized I was wearing my headphones even though we're in the same room and I don't have to be wearing them. <laughs> um, and I'm probably, I'll probably leave that in too. I probably won't get that out because I'm going to put them down now. All right. But where was I? It was the fifth highest grossing film in North America in 1950. And it was the fifth most popular movie at the British box office in 1951. The film is France's 16th biggest film of all time in terms of admissions, with 13.2 million tickets sold. The success of Cinderella allowed Disney to carry on producing films throughout the 1950s with the profits from the film's release, as well as additional profits from record sales, music publishing, publications, and other merchandise. This gave Disney the cash flow to finance a slate of productions, animated and live action, establishing his own distribution company, 
enter television production, and begin building Disneyland during that decade, as well as developing the Florida Project, later known as Walt Disney World. Cinderella has had a lifetime domestic gross of $93 million and a lifetime worldwide gross of $182 million across its original release and several reissues. Cinderella was released on VHS and Laserdisc in October 4th, 1988 as part of the Walt Disney Classics Collection. The release had a promotion with a free lithograph reproduction for those who pre-ordered the video before its release. Do you think the kids know what Laserdisc and lithographs are? Um, no. <laughs> no, I don't. It is an ancient technology from before their time. Um, Disney had initially shipped 4.3 million VHS copies to retailers, but due to strong consumer demand, more than 7 million copies were shipped. At the time of its initial home video release, it was the best-selling VHS title until it was overtaken by E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Boo. <laughs> That's a cute movie. I haven't watched it in a long time, but it is a cute movie. The VHS release was placed into a moratorium on April 30th, 1989, with 7.2 million copies sold and having grossed $108 million in sales revenue. On October 4th, 1995, a digitally remastered edition of the film was released on VHS and Laserdisc as part of the Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection and later in the UK on November 24th, 1997. Both editions were accompanied by the Making of Cinderella featurette. A deluxe Laserdisc included the featurette an illustrated hardcover book retelling the story with pencil tests and conceptual art from the film, and a reprint of the film's artwork. Disney shipped more than 15 million VHS copies, of which 8 million were sold in the first month. On October 4, 2005, Disney released the film on DVD with a digitally remastered transfer. This release was the sixth installment of the Walt Disney Platinum Edition series. According to Home Media Magazine, Disney sold 3.2 million copies in its first week, which earned over 64 million in sales. The Platinum Edition also released on VHS, but the only special feature was the A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes music video by the Disney Channel Circle of Stars. I remember seeing that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that a few times. Yeah. The Disney Channel Circle of Stars, that's a throwback. Yeah. When I when I was uh, taking these notes down, I, I thought, uh, yeah, <laughs> like it just took me back. Yep. The Platinum Edition DVD, along with the, the sequels to the film, went into the Disney Vault on January 31st, 2008. In the United Kingdom and Ireland... A royal edition of Cinderella was released on DVD on April 4th, 2011 to commemorate the UK royal wedding of Prince William and Catherine Middleton. This release had a unique limited edition number on every slipcase and exclusive art card. On October 2nd, which, you know, it's so funny, like, that's 11 years ago that they got married. It feels, yeah. like, the, feel like, feels like that was just two years ago, but whatever. On October 2nd, 2012, a three-disc 
Blu-ray slash DVD slash digital copy combo Diamond Edition was released. The Diamond Edition's release also included a two-disc Blu-ray slash DVD combo and a six-disc jewelry box set that included the first film along with both its sequels. A one-disc DVD edition was released on November 20th, 2012. The Diamond Edition release went back into the Disney Vault on January 31st, 2017. And finally, Cinderella was re-released on HD digital download on June 18th, 2009, with a physical media re-release on Blu-ray on June 25th, 2019, as a part of the Walt Disney Signature Collection commemorating the film's 70th anniversary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the most important films in the Disney catalog, so it's going to have a very deep history of being re-released and coming in and out of the vaults. Not that I think we're over the vault thing now, though. I now with now with Disney Plus, I think things being kept in the vault for all eternity is not going to happen anymore. Yeah, that'd be interesting if they did a. Well, I don't want to give them any ideas. I'm sure they've already had this though. But if they did a. Um, Disney Plus vault thing that you pay. I think if you actually look online, they do have a vault collection. I think it's just all stuff that's been in the vault before. No, I, I mean like you pay an extra $2 a month and you get oh. to watch every Disney movie no matter. Oh, they're not going to do that. <laughs> no, Some no. things will stay in the vaults yeah. forever. Uh, given the prices that they've been setting on things recently, ah. they, would, they would set it at $500 a yeah. month. Um, Probably. Yeah. But let's dive into the plot. So my first note here is that we have a classic Disney opening credits um, with like the fancy letters and everything. And the song is Cinderella and it is sung by Marnie Nixon and a chorus. And I wrote, it is a typical type of opening credit song for this time period, particularly in Disney films. Nothing terrible, but also nothing memorable. So I gave it a five out of 10. Yeah, I pretty much said it was very like classic Disney feel, but... You're kind of over it by this point, too, because even, you know, it's reminiscent back to, like, Dumbo and Bambi and all the movies. They kind of stopped doing that at some point with Mm -hmm. the music. Agreed. I also gave it a 5 out of 10. Mm. All right. And I wrote down, we have a book opening with multiple pages before transitioning into the animation. I know. Yeah, I thought that was, it was a little different. You know, I I can't recall ever seeing multiple pages being turned like of the artwork and everything not in that style i think jiminy cricket when he did that for that one Mm. package he was yeah you i think you're correct but i don't know if i'd count that because that was a little bit different from the regular film yeah and thank god we're done with the package film and i honestly don't know how many more of these films are going to have the book opening because i think we're reaching the end point of the book opening i i think you're right i don't know if this is the last one but i don't think there's many more if there is well i know some later on films will do a callback to it but we're we're getting close i i i can't remember if peter pan is next on our list or not but i don't remember offhand if peter pan has it so we'll find out when we get there I'm sure there's someone listening right now that's saying, no, you idiots, it doesn't end until there's, there's some much bigger Disney fan than us that's that's cursing our names right now. I'm sure. Yeah. Let us we're know. fake Disney fans. Yeah. Let us know on Twitter and Instagram how you uh, think we're fake Disney fans, please. Thank you. So, moving back into the plot, 
Cinderella is a much-loved daughter of a widowed aristocrat who decides to remarry, believing his beloved daughter needs a mother's care. Ultimately, Cinderella's father marries Lady Tremaine, a proud and confident woman with two daughters just Cinderella's age from a previous marriage named Drusella and Anastasia. The plain and socially awkward stepsisters are bitterly envious of Cinderella's beauty. After Cinderella's father dies, Lady Tremaine reveals herself to be a cold and cruel tyrant who shares her daughter's jealousy of Cinderella's charm and beauty. Lady Tremaine and her daughters take over the estate and begin to abuse and mistreat Cinderella, ultimately forcing her to become a scullery maid in her own home, much like Snow White, while also squandering off the fortune until there is nearly nothing left. Despite this, Cinderella remains a kind and gentle girl, befriending the animals in the barn and the mice and birds who live in the chateau. For with each dawn, she finds new hope that someday her dreams and happiness will come true. My note here says we have the song, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, sung by Eileen Woods. And I wrote down, I think this is among the top 10 Disney songs, top 10 best Disney songs, both in fame and likability, and I gave it a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, do you think that this is probably the more well-known song in the movie? I know Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo is also very much a well-known song in this movie, and so is uh, the So This Is Love is also very mm. well-known, I would say. But would you say that this is probably the biggest well-known song out of the whole film? I think this is the most established with Disney. Like, you, Yeah, you... I, I was thinking about it. I give it a 9 out of 10, too. Because this just gives off nostalgic vibes. And also, like, this is probably one of the big songs they use for fireworks. They use it in the parks. They use it for other things. Mm -hmm. Whenever they have a special on TV about anything, they're probably using this song. Yeah. And I could imagine a common moviegoer, you know, they watched Cinderella when they were a kid. They might think of Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo from a kid's movie, but they can't remember exactly which one. And they might not even remember So This Is Love. Or if they do... They might not know it's from this film, but I think this is probably the most famous song from this film, and I enjoy it. And I also wrote down, is the number one sign that you're a Disney princess that you have animal friends who help you do chores? Because as soon as Cinderella wakes up, the animal friends start helping her with things. Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. All right. One morning, Cinderella and the mice find a new mouse in the house who was caught in a mouse trap. She gives him the name Octavius, or Gus for short, and some new clothes and informs Jacques to warn Gus about Lucifer, Lady Tremaine's wicked cat. And I wrote down that I forgot that Cinderella can actually communicate with the mice, that they understand her and she understands them. Which, you know, got a whole lot of questions of how that works, but... Yeah. Well, I'll, I have a note later about it, but um, evidently the original idea was to have all the animals be able to communicate with Cinderella. Major, the horse, Bruno, the dog, and even Lucifer, the cat, would all be able to communicate. Come on now, we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> you're dating the episode by doing that. <laughs> um, but um, or, or you're making it contemporary. You're making it contemporary first and then dating it. Um, but, but I still haven't watched that yet. I, I, I have to check it out. Me ever. either, uh, but that song will be stuck in my head forever now. Yeah. 
But the original idea was to have her be able to communicate with all the animals. That's why Lucifer and some of the animals that actually don't speak have voice actor credits because they did have lines. But evidently, Walt Disney himself, when they were going over, they had the recordings and they were doing storyboards uh, with them. He was like, mm, no, don't like that. Scrap that. <laughs> and, uh, so and when the, Walt tells you not yeah. doing it, you're not doing it. Yeah. So they just, they just kept the mice uh, able to communicate with her. That was the only one that stuck with it. But next we have the two mice spy on Lucifer as Cinderella starts her chores. When Cinderella is giving breakfast to the animals, Lucifer chases Gus, and he hides under Anastasia's teacup. Cinderella delivers breakfast to her stepfamily. When Anastasia opens her teacup and finds Gus, she screams to her mother about it right after accusing Cinderella. Lady Tremaine punishes Cinderella with additional chores. Uh, So I have a couple notes here. I wrote, I found it funny that Cinderella had to struggle with Lucifer to get him to come and eat breakfast. In my personal experience with cats, they struggle to get me up out of bed bed to come feed them. They want food and they want stuff done. You get up. That's right. Also, Lucifer laughing at Bruno for being scolded by Cinderella for dreaming about chasing him actually made me laugh. I kind of like Lucifer a little bit. Like... I know he's technically evil, but it's more so he's just a cat. He, yeah, he's one of those, like, bad pet, bad cats that it's like, aw, you're just kind of cute and misunderstood. Yeah. I mean, what 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 does he do that's so he chases mice? Like, that's what cats do. <laughs> like, it is what cats do. A, um, and here's my note saying that originally all the animals yeah. were supposed to have voices. But we addressed that, so I'll skip that over. And I also wrote... Cinderella makes her way to serve breakfast to her stepfamily. She loses a shoe while walking up the stairs. This is the first of three times that she loses a shoe throughout the film. You know, most people just have the iconic one where she's leaving the ball and loses the shoe, but it actually happens three times. So it's kind of a... Just clumsy woman. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, she's got to go see the cobbler and get her shoes properly fitted. So, and I also wrote down that I love Lady Tremaine's voice actress. She's Lady Tremaine and Maleficent. And she really does embody that evil, regal woman's voice. Lady Tremaine probably is one of my favorite, like, Disney villains. Especially, like, older villains. Mm -hmm. Especially for just being human. Yeah, that's really it. She's just human. And if you actually, like, think about it... I know, like, some books will bring it up that, like like different versions of Cinderella that you know she was a she's a woman in her time that needs to get remarried mm-hmm. and like this man was basically willing to remarry, remarry her but you know she's also worried about her own daughters and her own livelihood mm-hmm. because once he dies like she doesn't have anything like again she's left alone and this time with an extra daughter essentially well, which makes her a little bitter I, I get it I mm-hmm. don't think it's right what they do to Cinderella but like I understand the logic. That's, and we'll get to it in my overall score. The only criticism that I really have of the film is the depth of the characters. I mean, it was 1950, so there were, every movie that came out then was a simpler movie with simpler characters. But I would really like the characters more explored. And they probably are in the sequels and everything. But, I mean, we're both Once Upon a Time fans. We got to interesting Lady Tremaine in Once Upon a Time. Yeah, I'm also thinking about the live-action Cinderella, like, Mm. that has a better storyline. You're right, we do get a little bit more Mm. explanation of the characters in the sequels to this film. I I saw the live-action Cinderella movie once, and I remembered not liking it when it came out, 
but the subsequent live action Disney remakes that they've made since then it moved up my list of how much I liked it. I was like, oh, if the, if they're all going to be worse, then I liked that one. That one wasn't bad. They just make very odd choices with yeah. them is all. And Rob Stark is uh, Prince Charming, if I remember correctly. It's been some time since I've seen it, but I believe so. So, at the Royal Palace, the King and the Grand Duke organize a ball in an effort to find a suitable wife for Prince Charming. Considering the fact that the king wants to see his grandchildren before his death, every... You just read my note, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. Every eligible maiden in the kingdom is requested to attend. And I wrote down, being 34, unmarried, and childless, uh, childless, I totally don't see a lot of the king's actions in my mother or anything. (laughs) Oh, is your mother bothering you all the time? (laughs) Oh, little little comments about, uh, you know, she makes it a joke, but... Just about how she'll be dead before her grandchildren are born and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I feel it. I feel it for you, Prince Charming. I mean, he's probably, what, 16? Yeah, I'm like, like, the king, your mom can't host a ball and bring every eligible young maiden to your feet. Believe me, she would try if she could. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure she would. Yeah. Um, But let's let's move on, because my mother listens to this podcast. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to cut any of this. Um, Hi, Mom. (laughs) So Cinderella asks her stepmother if she can attend since she is still part of the family and she's an eligible maiden. Lady Tremaine agrees, provided if Cinderella finishes her chores and finds a nice dress to wear. With Cinderella too distracted with extra chores, her animal friends, led by Mary... Although I guess it would probably be Marie, since they're French, but... Yeah. Mary, Jacques, and Gus fix up a gown that belonged to Cinderella's late mother. So, the first song in this part is Sing Sweet Nightingale, and it is sung by Elaine Woods, Eleanor Audley, and Rhonda Williams. And I wrote down, obviously, the beginning and the ending parts of of the song are supposed to be off-key to show the contrast between Cinderella and her stepsisters. That being said, although Eileen Woods has a lovely voice, this song is just so-so. So I gave it a 5 out of 10. Yeah, I do like the parts with the off-key more, to be honest, just because it feels a little different, especially because we don't get a lot of off-key in Disney movies very often for Mm -hmm. songs. But I gave it a 5 out of 10 also. It's not the best song. Okay. And I also have the song Work Song, parentheses, Cinderella, Cinderella. And it is sung by Jimmy MacDonald, Oliver Wallace, and Paul J. Smith. And it is a memorable song, probably the third most famous song from the film. Uh, although maybe it's the fourth now that we've been discussing them. Yeah. It's upbeat and fine, but the mice voices slightly annoy me. So I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, I was thinking that while I was watching it too. I'm like, I feel like I used to like the song more. Like, it's nice to upbeat, but like, I don't like the mice singing. I don't know if that's just us getting old and not <laughs> yeah, liking the mice. I don't know. It was just kind of annoying me a little. So I gave it a 5 out of 10. Okay. So Jacques and Gus go downstairs and scoop up Drizella's old beads and Anastasia's old sash after they throw them on the floor escaping with them before Lucifer catches them. The animals finish Cinderella's dress just as the carriage arrives. And I wrote down the line of Gus saying, Happy birthday! When the mice reveal the dress to Cinderella, it actually made me laugh out loud. And Jacques is like, no, 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 to Gus. Like, 
The one they show her the dress. Yeah. Um, and when Cinderella comes down wearing her new dress, Lady Tremaine compliments the gown, pointing out the beads and the sash. Angered by the apparent theft of their discarded items by their stepsister, the evil stepsisters viciously rip the gown into rags before snootingly leave for the ball with Lady Tremaine. Heartbroken, Cinderella runs outside to the garden and begins to cry. You know, I want to say this too, like, they're the evil stepsisters, but like, they're just going off what their mother's doing too. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, they might be jealous of Cinderella, but at the end of the day, what they're doing, they're all, you know, they're all like teenagers. This is a Disney movie. These are teenagers. Teenagers Mm -hmm. are going to be cruel to one another. And, I mean, maybe... Maybe I've always thought of Lady Tremaine as older because of her gray hair, but what, what could She's she possibly be in like thirties, forties at, at like the most. oldest? Yeah. yeah, like. But you're right. She kind of encourages and enables her daughters to treat Cinderella this way. Maybe you know what I think, as we see in the sequels too. Anastasia, in particular, is very nice and hmm. very kind for her sister, but. We'll, we'll get into that when yeah. we get to the sequels. I was discussing the sequels with you off camera, and I said I remember seeing the third one, but I don't ever remember seeing the second one. The second one is great for Anastasia, and then they kind of like take that away from her in the third one, but kind of mm. give it back to It's complicated. Okay. And again, we get an Anastasia that's... Uh, well, actually, we get two Anastasias we in do. Once Upon a Time. <laughs> um, and one of them, oh baby. I mean, both of them, oh baby, but, but the one really, oh baby. <laughs> well, Ashley just slapped me on the shoulder, so I know it's time to move on. The beauty of being in the same room. Yeah. I can hit him when he says it the things. Yeah. <laughs> so, at the point of giving up her dreams, Cinderella's fairy godmother appears and bestows upon Cinderella a new ball gown with a pair of glass slippers. She also transforms a pumpkin into a carriage, the mice into horses, Major the horse into a coachman, and Bruno the dog into a footman. We don't talk about Bruno! <laughs> Cinderella departs for the ball after her godmother warns her that the spell will break at the f- first stroke of midnight. No, it's the final stroke of midnight. Is she really a good godmother for le- making her wear off at midnight? Like, surely magic can last longer than that. Probably. And it's also... I think that comes from the original tale. It's been some time since I've read Probably, it. Probably, I imagine. And I, I imagine it has to do with a moral thing of keep of women being home before midnight. Ugh. Because um, no good decisions are made after midnight for young women. Um, and that's why we'll be done recording this podcast before oh, midnight. jeez. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, but I, I actually wrote it down. Well, I didn't write it down here. I got the summary off the Disney wiki, but... It has it listed backwards. I actually found it kind of funny in the film how she changes everything first and then gives Cinderella the dress last. Yeah. And, like, the whole time Cinderella's like, what about me? <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, I, like I, can't, I can't go like this. My first note here that I wrote down, though, was which fairy godmother, and I put it in quotation marks, is your favorite? This one, the blue fairy from Pinocchio, or Rumpelstiltskin? <laughs> oh, it's Rumpel, 100%. <laughs> It can't be anybody but Rumble. Yeah. If Rumble was my fairy godmother, I'm like, I don't care what price I'm paying right now. Yeah. And when she... Do it to me. <laughs> in, the, in this film, when she first misplaced her wand, I was like, oh, Rumble's got it. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Rumble's already got the wand. Ooh. But we have the song, Bibbidi Boppity Boo, sung by Verna Felton. And I wrote down that it's probably the most famous song from the film. It's a Disney classic standard. Uh, but in my opinion... 
It's nothing really that special, and it's, I gave I gave it a seven. It's much shorter than I remembered it yeah. being, and I don't like it. I don't really. It's not one of my favorites. You're right. It's a classic. I gave it a six out of ten. Okay. It's not the best song, but yeah. you know you gotta gotta acknowledge that it's one of Disney's most classic songs. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down in my final note here that despite most promotional art and collectibles depicting Cinderella's dress to be blue, we can see here that it is actually silver with a light shade of blue. Now, later on in the film, as it gets closer to midnight when she's dancing with the prince and it's darker out, it does look a darker shade of blue, but right here it's silver. And I believe that in the Blu-ray edition, they recolored the dress to be blue to match the promotional art and stuff that they have for it. And they, I want to say action figures, but that's not correct. Although I'm sure there are Cinderella action figures. At the ball, the prince rejects every girl until he sees Cinderella. The two fall strongly in love and dance along throughout the castle grounds. Her stepfamily doesn't recognize her, but Lady Tremaine thinks that there is something familiar about her. She is unable to make the connection before the Grand Duke closes the curtains to give the couple some privacy. And I wrote that. I love... Oh, go ahead. Did you have something? No, okay. I love how Prince Charming is so bored meeting all the women in the kingdom until he sees Cinderella. Like he's rolling his eyes and he's yawning and it, it made me laugh. And You'll get to it, but like Prince Charming and the King are probably the most like interesting royals, like male royals in oh. all of like Disney. Yeah, especially in the third movie, like Prince Charming eating himself out the window is iconic. <laughs> well, I can't wait till we discuss that then. <laughs> My next note is that the King threatens to behead the Grand Duke if anything goes wrong between the Prince and Cinderella. And then dances his way off to bed. So I wrote down, is he the most eccentric Disney royal? Probably. Yeah, and that's saying something. I mean, we don't see a lot of other royal parents, too. A lot of them are either dead or, like, just angry or asleep, like in Sleeping Beauty. They're just not there the whole time. Well, King Triton's a little extra. Yeah. Um, He's a little extra. Um, And then Zeus, well, I don't don't know. He's a god. So that's, that's a little different, but... Let's move on. The song here is So This Is Love, sung by Eileen Woods and Mike Douglas. And this is my personal favorite song from the film, though perhaps not the most iconic. I gave it a 9 out of 10. I do like this song. Not my favorite, but I can see you making it that choice. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Okay. As the clock starts to chime midnight, Cinderella flees to her coach and away from the castle, dropping one glass slipper by accident. The Duke sends the guards to stop them, but Cinderella and the animals hide from them. And isn't it interesting, like, the way that the guards are kind of, like, they look evil, the way that they're drawn. Like, they kinda, yeah. they're all in, in black silhouettes, and their horses have red eyes and everything. That's kind of the classic evil guy Disney depiction. Um, but this is, my first note here is that this is the second time that Cinderella loses a, a shoe in the film. Most famous, obviously. And I also like how Cinderella uses the excuse of, I haven't even met met the prince yet, to flee away from the prince. Like, she didn't even know who he was. She just met this guy that she found charming, for lack of a better well, word. she's so good. Like, I get, like, she wasn't really allowed out of her house because of, like, her circumstances. But you're telling me she doesn't know what the prince looks like of this land? Hmm. I don't know. I, it's Because it kind of seems, and the way that I think in the original tale is that Cinderella's house is the last house in the kingdom. Yeah. So maybe, you know, I don't know. 
Maybe she never went to town or something. I, I never saw a poster yeah. or, or money with his family on it or whatever they had back then. I don't know. Um, but yeah, she just fell for him and he fell for her and she didn't even know that he was the prince. After her gowns turn back into rags, the mice point out that the other slipper, which is something I forgot to discuss when because I didn't write it down, but I, I felt so bad for Cinderella when they destroyed her dress because not only was it something like keeping her from going to the ball, but it was her mother's dress. Yeah. Like it was something of her mother's that they ruined. And like, yeah, it, it hit me when that happened. But after her gown turns back into rags, the mice point out the other slipper is still on her foot. And she thanks her fairy godmother for everything. Back at the castle, the duke tells the king of the disaster. However, he also reveals that the prince will not marry anyone except for the owner of the slipper and sets out to find her. So my first note here is that I forgot that the king gives the duke cigars in celebration of the quote-unquote proposal. And this explains the tobacco use warning at the beginning of the film. I don't film. have smoking in any of these movies, yeah. Yeah, which he has it in his mouth lit for about two seconds, <laughs> if that. Two seconds is enough for yeah. a kid to want to smoke cigars. And it was forcibly put in his mouth, too. It wasn't like he was like, oh, yeah, I want a cigar. But um, uh, I also wrote that. The Grand Duke is the first character in a, fe- in a full-length feature Disney film to do the goofy yell when he falls from the king's chandelier. <laughs> it had, like, that was a little trivia note that I found about it. Like I said, obviously Goofy did it in, um, was it, it wasn't Saludos Amigos, it was, uh, no, it was Saludos Amigos that Goofy did the goofy, but that was considered a package film. And not, not a feature, a, yeah, yeah, so. Understood. Yeah. And... The next morning, the king proclaims that the Grand Duke will visit every house in the kingdom to find the girl whose foot fits the glass slipper so that she can be married to the prince. When when the news reaches Cinderella's household, her stepmother and stepsisters prepare for the duke's visit. Overhearing this, Cinderella dreamily hums the song played at the ball. Realizing that Cinderella was the girl who danced with the prince, Lady Tremaine follows Cinderella to her room and locks her stepdaughter in the attic in one final attempt to shatter her dreams. And I wrote down... Oh, I hit the mic. I wrote down that I love the foreshadowing of Lady Tremaine's face, uh, or I love the shadowing of Lady Tremaine's face when she realizes that Cinderella is the girl, and like how her green eyes just stick out. And like yeah. this, it, it, it's just a good animated scene. And... When the duke arrives, the mice... Ret- uh, oh, did you have anything you wanted to say? Or? I was going to say, I, can, I agree with that. That's oh. some of the, like I said, Lady Tremaine is one of the best mm-hmm. yeah. well-done animated villains. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the duke arrives, the mice retrieve the key to Cinderella's room from her stepmother's pocket and bring it upstairs. But before they can deliver it, they are ambushed by Lucifer, who traps Gus under a cup. So I wrote down here, so like in Mickey and the Beanstalk, we have some mice that need to get a key from the villain's pocket to free their trapped friend. Disney doing its own kind of callbacks. Always. They do it so often. Mm -hmm. And with the help of the other mice, birds, and Bruno, they chase Lucifer out the window and Cinderella is freed. As the Duke prepares to leave after the stepsisters unsuccessfully try on the slipper, Cinderella appears and requests to try it on. And I wrote down that, um, presumably, Lucifer fell to his death. However, his appearance in the Cinderella sequels and other Disney properties have led to three prominent fan theories on how he survived. One, 
he landed on his feet. There's that old wives' tale that cats always land on their feet. Two, cats have nine lives. There's the old wives' tale that, you know, cats have nine lives. And the final one that I found people talking about was that his fat absorbed the fall and his body was okay. Because he falls out of the tower and, like, yeah. you know, he's, he's alive. Later. I'd like to think he landed on his feet. <laughs> well, whatever it was, he survived. So, knowing that the slipper will fit, Lady Tremaine trips the footman, causing him to drop and shatter the slipper. Cinderella then produces the other glass slipper, much to her stepmother's horror. Delighted at this complete, irrefutable proof of the maiden's identity, the duke slides the slipper onto her foot, and it fits perfectly. Cinderella and Prince Charming celebrate their wedding and live happily ever after. So I have three notes here, the first being here, Cinderella loses her shoe for the third and final time (laughs) as they're leaving the church or whatever that they were leaving. And I wrote down that I love how Cinderella's horse, Major, was leading the royal carriage. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And finally, we have the song, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes Reprisal. And it is sung by a chorus. And I just wrote down, song to close the film and a call back to earlier. Fine. Seven out of ten. Yeah, I'd say the same. That would be seven out of ten. Okay. I think my only missing notes, is I didn't talk about it earlier, is, you know, I think it always comes up with Cinderella in general, is... How does nobody recognize her yeah. at the ball? It's not a masked ball. It's just a ball. Well, I mean, if we're taking her original name, you know, the Cinders, she was covered in soot all the time. So that's how, I guess, her stepfamily didn't recognize her. And I don't, the Duke was kind of far away. It wasn't actually the prince that came to try on the shoes. It was the Duke. Um, so maybe yeah. maybe he didn't get a good look. And then my other thing yeah. would be just imagine being this cruel to your stepdaughter and now she's a freaking queen, baby princess queen. She yeah. won't be queen. Yeah. Like, be nice to your family. You don't know when they will be whisked away by a prince. Exactly. It can, it can happen. <laughs> be nice to your other fellow podcast hosts, too. Jason could be whisked away by a princess at any point. That, that, listen, I have no control over that. Listen, if there's some uh, European princess out there looking looking for, you know... A, <laughs> looking for uh, a kind American of, man. Yeah, kind of funny some of the time <laughs> guy. You know, <laughs> slightly above average looking. Like, you know, I'm right here for you. Um, but only the rich princesses. I don't want any of those, you know, fallen European families. So get out of here. Um, so anyway, I'm going to go into my overall score. I wrote down that it's iconic and classic. It's an iconic and classic Disney film that would inf- inspire future Disney films. And due to its financial success, we get to enjoy those properties today. It may not have the most developed characters, but audiences of the 1950s weren't demanding that from animated films then. And if I had seen it when it first came out, easy 10 out of 10. However, judging it by today's standards, I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. I feel like we're in step today. I also gave this a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the classic Disney film, I would say. Like, I know Snow White was the first, but I think this is almost more of the classic because... It's got the castles that are all over the world now. Like, this is the castle you see at the beginning of every Disney film. Like, this is the iconic film in the Disney canon. Like, if you start 
like you know we we decided we decided to do this at the beginning of the year we said we were kind of aiming to do cinderella first into the new year Mm -hmm. and we managed to do that and like i said i definitely think it's got well it's interesting too i i told you off camera this was actually walt's second time going with cinderella um he had a previous animation company called laughagram that went bankrupt but the, you can look up the story about it. it. It's actually pretty interesting. But he had a seven-minute short Cinderella beforehand from Laughagram, and it was actually it came out in 1922, and it was a modern-day version of it. Modern day meaning 1922. The prince has moder- uh, has a hunting rifle that he's chasing down. I think it's a cow. I couldn't really tell. They were Walt Disney drawn animals, so they kind of all look. <laughs> You know, they, they all look the same. Kinda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no offense, Walt. Um, don't roll over in your frozen head uh, <laughs> statue. Cryogenically <laughs> yeah, frozen yeah. wherever you are. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they, Cinderella and her stepsisters live in a uh, house, not like a fancy house, but like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where they're all next to each other. Um, townhouse like they they live in a town and there's cars and stuff like that it's a 1922 version of it it's only seven minutes long and it's on youtube because i think this is gonna sound weird to say i don't think anyone owns laughagram so i think all their stuff is free could be yeah um i'm surprised disney tried didn't try to reclaim that at some point well if they're listening (laughs) maybe they will but uh it's interesting to watch but it was you know walt's first take on cinderella that was actually I believe he saw a silent film as a child of Cinderella, and that's what inspired him to go into well, making Cinderella movies. Cinderella is one of the things that a lot of people remake all the time. Mm-hmm. It's one of the classic tales. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely, like like you said, there is Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and that came first, but I, I kind of feel like this is... Like when you the, think Disney and Disney princesses, I think Cinderella... Right. And probably Belle, because Beauty and the Beast is the yeah. Disney renaissance, and that's also... Exactly. Yeah. The Especially f- for our generation, Beauty and the Beast is kind of first and foremost, but Cinderella is definitely probably the second, I would imagine. When, when, we, get to Cinder, uh, when we get to Cinderella, when we get to Beauty and the Beast, I'm going to have a lot of positive things to say. And one negative thing that I found out recently... Um, I'll tell you off camera, okay. um, but it, it, it kind of ruins the movie for me in a certain way. Oh, don't ruin way. things yeah. for me. Yeah. Don't ruin it for me. Well, we'll, we'll discuss it off camera and then okay. we'll discuss if, if we want to talk about it when we get there. But do you have anything else you'd like to discuss? No, or? I think we're good. All right. This has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. If you would like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. And remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you. Mm-hmm.